Welcome to the Ether. Today is Friday, September 2nd, 2022. Today on the Ether, a tangible AMA introducing USDR, hosted by Cosmos Haas. Let's take a listen. All right, man. How you been, dude? Uh, good, thanks. Yourself? Pretty well, man. Not bad. So I got really, <laughs> after Texas, I, I, um, I actually had to leave early because I got sick when I was down there. Oh, really? COVID? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I assume so. I honestly think it was more just like heat exhaustion, man. Like, you know, it was so hot down there. And, it was hot, yeah. And after, I think it was after when we were on stage, maybe the next day, like o- Osmosis had OsmoCon, and I helped out. And then like halfway through the day, I was like, man, I'm getting a really bad migraine. And I was like, I'm going to get back to, we had an Airbnb, uh, the guys that I was with. And I was like, I'm going to go back and just chill out and just take some Excedrin and lay down and just relax. I just thought I was just getting migraine, but man, it was a migraine that just never went away. So like it wrecked that day. I think it was like a Wednesday or Thursday. It wrecked the whole entire day. And then the next day it wrecked me. And I was like, I I was so wrecked that I couldn't even get an air. I couldn't even get on an airline to to leave. I was like, I need another day just to rest. (laughs) And then, um, then I went home early because I was supposed to work um, consensus all weekend. And I, I I just had to go home. And then even after that, like when I got back, so for about a month or whatever, I had like this really annoying cough that just wouldn't go away. It was actually stopping me from doing these shows and stuff because I couldn't talk. I just keep coughing the whole time. <laughs> it was horrible. Yeah, that sounds like COVID. For sure. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm good now, man. It was just the it actually it actually because I'm so next month. Well, actually this month. There's Cosmos Verse that's out in uh, Medellin, Colombia, and I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna have to pass on this one because, you know, not that I think I'm gonna get sick again. It just it took a lot out of me. I'm like, I'm just gonna take a break for from going on going and traveling right now. So, yeah, but how, yeah, how have you been? Conferences man? can be a lot. I've been good. Yeah, we've just been heads down. Really, I I, I haven't been to another another thing since then as well. I'm trying to do like maybe one conference every six months or even one one a year. Yeah, it, it does. Like you were, you were saying, it does take a lot out of you because right before that, I worked the uh, permissionless event in in Florida. So it was like the towards the middle to end of Florida, uh, right after the crash started to happen, and then literally not even you know a few weeks later, um, I was in Texas, and then I was gonna you know I was I was gonna do it all up, and now I'm just like yeah, I don't know. I, I got invited to do the decentral down in Miami in November. I may end up doing that just because it's Miami, but. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, man, you guys have been grinding. Like I, I had, you know, like I do have my head down and in, into like the Cosmos eco, but I've been, I've been kind of checking it out, man. It looks like you guys got a lot going on. I'm excited to even be here. So, and if you want, yeah, we've been busy, busy for sure. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for hosting. Yeah, man. Do you want to wait a little bit? Try to get some, some wait, get some more people in here. 
then we can. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. So you're you're based in the states, right? Uh, typically, I'm in the UK right now for just like a, a month or so to try to source properties for okay. the tangible. Yeah, I was checking that out. That's uh, that's where that property is at. The first one that you guys have. Yeah, yeah. The first one is in the in the UK. The second one, which is live right now, is always in the UK. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's really fascinating. I'm really excited to talk about that because. <clears throat> You know, you got to touch on what tangible kind of was at the, down in Texas, but you know, we we were just it was so quick, so it's hard to remember everything. But yeah, so yeah, um, shout out everyone at Stuff. What's up? We got Mike with us as well, our CMO. He can introduce himself. Hey guys, how's it going? Mike here, CMO at Tangible. What's up? Not much, man. Happy Friday. A good weekend in the states. Here we yeah. we have Labor Day on Monday, so you know. I uh, I'm here. I'm in California. Oh, okay, cool. For- where are you based out? I'm in PA right now. Oh, sweet. All right. So we're on the other side of the country, but yeah, we're we're here. <laughs> yeah. For- That's cool, man. Yeah, so like like me personally, uh just just kind of grinding, man. Like, you know, I, I always respect the people that are like just in this kind of market conditions or just doing the thing. It's like especially when community members they just stop by the shows. Cause I do Twitter spaces all the time. And um, I love it. I enjoy it. You know, it's just kind of the thing that I do now. And I always, I, I respect the people that are kind of just tuning in, you know, or listen to the recordings because those are the ones that want to be here. You know, it it's a lot different, you know, when the market was like really pumping and I was doing Twitter spaces, you know, a couple hundred people would be on there live and stuff. And it's like now it's, you know, 30, 40 max, best case, sometimes a little bit more. But, you know, a lot of times it's 10, 15, 20 people. It's like, it's whatever. But a lot of people do. Because uh, I, I keep the analytics, and I can see it. A lot of people do re- listen to the recording, so it is what it is, you know. Yeah, we yeah. kind of thing on our end. Yeah, it's where the alpha is, though, right? It's like when you're there in the bear, teams kind of, if you're listening to the teams, they give away a lot, and you kind of know things that people other people don't. And then when the market restarts, you can, you've already positioned those sort of things. Yeah, exactly. It's like... It's just human nature, but this is the time that should be the opposite. Like your enthusiasm and your excitement should be right now. And then when everything does come back, you know, you can kind of just chill out, you know, and um, this is the most important time because this is when everyone's building, you know, when it, when everything's going crazy, everyone that's building has to, to do other things. And now it's just like head down and it's exciting, you know, like going to the, the, the one thing that I... You know, I really enjoy about the conferences is that the energy is just so good and everyone's like on the same mission. It's like we're here. We understand. We 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 know this is going to be the future. At least we're going to try, you know, and, and kind of go from there. And it's exciting. It really is. Like, I, cool. I always tell people that like tune in or whatever I say, hey, like even if you like to be a really private person and you don't want like to dox yourself or whatever, just go to any crypto event. I don't care what it is, especially when the market's not really good. It's the, the energy is just something else, you know? I agree. And the spaces come on a lot as well. Like when you go to conferences, there's just so much going on. It's hard not to be inspired. Whereas like a couple of years, 2018, I used to go to conferences and you'd go to, and you'd just be embarrassed like by the people there, just bunch of moon boys not a lot happening now you go to conferences and you're like whoa there are a lot of very very intelligent people in the space doing amazing things 
Yeah, man, for sure. <clears throat> well, I mean, I guess we can get get started. So if you guys wanted to introduce yourself, Jag and Michael, like I just like to say a little background and then basically, you know, you kind of already touched on 2018, but like kind of when did you get your get started into crypto? And then, you know, how did you guys find each other? And also, like, you know, how did you have this idea to start what tangible up? Yeah, sure. Um, I think I bought my first Bitcoin at 2015, 2016. It was just purely by accident, not really to buy Bitcoin, just to buy something else. I needed it as a currency. Came back a bit later, it had gone up. I can't remember even how long later, maybe six months later, a year later. That got me kind of vaguely interested, but still not really. Didn't, didn't go down the rabbit hole. Really went down the rabbit hole like 2017 um, just as an investor. And then 2018, I was building a video social media app um, called Vid. That was my previous project. And then we kind of tied that into crypto. You, you, you would earn um, based on you know, how, you, how you're scrolling. It's basically exactly t- t- like TikTok. Back then, TikTok was called Musical.ly. Um, and we were kind of side by side with them in, in the App Store chart. A couple hundred thousand users sold that um, a couple of years ago. And then again, just investing. Um, then we were coming towards kind of the top of this cycle. And we were starting to think, what are we, what are we going to be buying now? We're kind of crypto natives. We like to keep the majority of our, of our wealth on chain. Um, as the cycle turns, you know, what do we want to be buying? The stable coin farms, but then even, even stable coin farms kind of dry up. Yields dry up on Aave and other places because the yields are driven by borrow demand. Um, and we thought, you know, we, we want real world assets. We want access to properties. We want access to wine. We want access to gold bars, all of these things. But we don't want to have to go back to fiat and then buy these things. We want access to these things on chain. We kind of started to ask around our friend circle, other crypto natives. You know, what do you think about this? What do you think about access to these things on chain? And people wanted it, basically. So we started building. Um, that was now, it's just around 12 months exactly, actually. It's around last summer, this, this sort of time when we started building. Um, the team, a lot of the team is all knew each other um, from, from Vid, which so we'd already been building in the space um, together for like three, four years. CTO, my brother, myself, and some of the other team. So we kind of just got the, got the gang back together. Uh, I'll give a, a quick rundown on my history. It's definitely a lot less sort of in-depth than Jag, but basically... Kind of got into crypto around uh, 2017. Um, got you know pretty interested in it. Then changed jobs and and sort of around like 20 late 2017, 2018, and just sort of didn't have time for it. Kind of put it all to the side and, and got sort of like super super sucked into like my real life and real life job stuff. Um, I was uh, running brand marketing at the time for like a large uh, e-commerce site in the states. Um, that kind of continued to go on. I think COVID came around, realized I had a little bit more time, started to kind of like check back into my crypto stuff and, and just sort of started to get like sucked in more and more, um, over, over the course of the years, um, kind of sort of started to feel unsatisfied, I guess, in my other job and, and felt like I was spending so much time just sort of invested and in, in learning and, and just immersing myself in the space. It felt like a good next step to try and uh, find a role somewhere in, in crypto and Web3. Um, came across JAG and Tangible and kind of been working together for the last several months. It's awesome to hear that. So kind of have a little bit of a similar story. So my background is I am an accountant and I understand like finances and money. It's what I went to school for. My first 
um, story about crypto is having Bitcoin when I didn't even know what Bitcoin was. I used to play a lot of on- online poker, and I think it was Carbon Poker. Mm, I think it's the name of it back in the day. Or anyhow, they would do like rakes. And I used to be a complete degenerate. I'd have like eight tables up at once, just going, going ham. And like they would give you Bitcoin as a rake, like like from, you know, the fees. I don't know if you're familiarized with like poker or whatnot, but, you know, like the, the way the house and casino always wins is they just take a rake out of every pot. So like in, in order for, for them to do that, they would basically give you rewards for essentially being a degenerate. Like, hey, you here's some Bitcoin. And I had several Bitcoins. Like, I don't even know how many Bitcoins I had. And I didn't even, like, being an idiot, like, graduated to college and was just kind of gambling and doing my thing, just partying and having a lot of fun. I never, like, thought, like, hey, maybe I'll just look up Bitcoin to see what the hell this thing is. And uh, I ran really bad one time, and I was playing, like, heads up, and I, I was just playing like an idiot. And then I, one time, I was just going, like, all in, all in, all in. Everyone kept, the guy kept folding, kept folding. And then he ended up, you know, he ended up calling me with Ace King and I had pocket aces and he like, you know, he pretty much took my stack on it. And it really, it irritated me because he shouldn't have won the hand, obviously. It's just like the, the math isn't there. So I was like, oh, this, you know, this site's rigged. I was like, just give me all my money that I had on there. And they like had this thing called the vault. It was kind of like cold. I guess it was just like, you know, cold storage or whatever. Uh, I don't even know what they considered it back in, but anyhow, they, they took it out and you can just like swap it on their site for USD. Like, and, and I was like, yep, just want to get, get rid I want to get out of this site. So that was kind of my first time ever really having crypto. And if I knew what it was back, <laughs> I probably would have a lot of money right now, but that's cool. It all, it all happens. But as for like my journey into crypto, COVID happened kind of like what you're saying. And, um, you know, I got to work from home for first off for like the first four or five months of crypto, about three months, four months, I, I was laid off completely. So I was just home doing nothing and playing video games. And that's when I really started to get into crypto. Like I knew what crypto was. I've always been a tech enthusiast, built computers and stuff. So I was like, all right, let me kind of do the deep dive. You know, I started off with all the traditionals. I did like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, you know, just kind of went down the list of like all the ones that you can just find easily on YouTube and, you know, started asking myself questions like, hey, how is this blockchain? How is this going to be able to communicate to another blockchain? How can I send data? Blah, blah, blah. And I got really fascinated with the technology side of it. And that's kind of how I found Cosmos, because essentially they're the ones that are building a lot of the infrastructure for all these different chains to be able to communicate with one another. And Osmosis launched in June of last summer. And I, um, someone actually that I was following on YouTube was like, hey, you should check this out. Like, it's really cool. It's fascinating. Like, the guys that, that build it is a genius. Like, check it out. I, I went over there. Like, the APRs were insane at the time. I thought it was a scam. But I started throwing some of my money into it. And then as I was doing that, I just kept, like, doing all the research. I spent thousands of hours studying the technology, the team. And I, I got involved with um osmosis really for just just for pure pleasure like i was helping out with the telegrams and all that and eventually they started off a like uh, support lab by the community where it was actually funded and they wanted 24 7 around the clock um you know help so we all had different schedules i actually started making some earning some crypto and from doing that i kind of just like uh started doing twitter spaces there was a friday night i was kind of drinking and um (laughs) I didn't even know what Twitter space was, to be honest with you. Like, I didn't even have Twitter until last summer. And I'm like, oh, what the hell is this? They're talking about Cosmos. And I clicked in and they were asking some questions. They're kind of confused. I had like the, you know, I was drinking a little whiskey. I was like, yeah, sure. I'll just hit, hit this up. It's a Friday night. 
And then I just started talking. And that same night, um, in the Cosmos ecosystem, it's all different sovereign chains. So it's like literally having like a CEO stop by. And the whole entire Cosmos ecosystem like came on the show that night. And there was like three, I don't know how many people, three, 400 people that came by. And it was a good time, man. I was like, it kind of motivated me. It was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. I never even wanted to talk on Twitter before. I just wanted to remain kind of anonymous and chill out. And I've been doing this pretty much since. And um, I get to meet a lot of cool people. It kind of even led me to get invited to do real real shows and, and go to conferences and talk on stage. That's how I met Jag. We did a um, NFT. It was called like Un unlocking pandora's box or something like that and uh we were down in in texas and i was the moderator for four different um entities basically talking about different ways that they can branch and and use real life utility to uh nfts and it was really fascinating and the fact that i got to do all of that is really a testament of like cosmos the, the community just doing these things just like it's it's amazing like it's it's uh you know, it kind of led me this and I devote my whole life to this space, you know, and, and I, I, I fortunately I get to work from home, but if it ever came down to it and they're like, Hey, you have to come back. Like I would just tell them to get lost, you know, cause this is this way more fun. It's more passionate. Uh, the, the thrill, the, just the knowledge, like, you know, every day in real life you, you have a job and it never changes, but in this space, literally tomorrow, something drastic can happen, you know, and it's just, it's where I want to be, you know, I want to be here the rest of my life. And I think, a lot of people, I'm sure you guys and everyone I meet, all, all like minded. Whether you're in Cosmos, Polygon, or whatever, like you just on this mission to like make the world a better place. And you know, I commend everyone that's doing stuff like this. So that's kind of my intro. Awesome, that's a good story. <laughs> it's, it's it's cool how it came together so naturally as well. You like stumbled into it, and then you just realized you loved it. Yeah, it's nuts, right? Like honestly, like I'm kind of a boomer. I I never liked social media or anything. Now Twitter is like it's it's my life really i don't want to say it's my whole entire life but i spend a lot of time on twitter and if you told me this like a year ago i would think you're just mentally insane i'd be like nah you're crazy dude like what are you talking about <laughs> but it's it's just it's a good time man like i get to meet so many cool people and, and brilliant people and and if it wasn't for this like that you know none of this would happen and as for your point earlier when we were just kind of talking you know these are the best times and I'm really fascinated, you know, we'll get into like what you guys offer, but it's really cool, man. Like it's something that no one else is doing. And, you know, even before I met you guys, I met you down in Texas, like I was always thinking like, I believe NFTs are everything. It's the future. And it's not, we're not even at the surface. We're not even the precipice of it. Like we're just like, it's like a infant. It's like a baby. I think everything's going to be an NFT. And um, I, I really want, you know, you guys to get into what, what you guys are doing. You know, before we get into like the stable coin part, can you call like, just in case, like, so Spaces, shout out to them. They record all my shows and um, this will be recorded. And, and so it'll be on iTunes and Spotify and everything. But just so for anyone out there, just pretend they don't even know what Tangible is. So like you guys launched a Tangible token and, and the, the protocol, if you want to just kind of touch into what, like, what that is. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so Tangible is an NFT marketplace for real-world assets. So gold bars, fine wine, luxury watches, and most recently, and kind of the product that we're getting the most traction with, real estate. Um, so the way that it works is with most of those physical items, we have partners in the real world. We have all of their stock on our site at any given time. You buy, as a user, come along, buy buy an NFT in um, stable coins, and then we basically convert that into fiat 
buy the actual item for you. It goes into storage. The NFT gets sent to your wallet. Um, you're now free to use it in DeFi, borrow against it, do whatever else, trade it on our, on our marketplace. And then at any time, you can ba- basically burn the NFT and have the physical item shipped to you. And in the case of real estate, each property sits inside an SPV. And when you burn the NFT, you become the legal owner of the SPV. Um, that's a quick overview. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's a good basics. Okay, cool. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I mean, I already, I already understood that, but I think there might be a couple of people in here that may not. So that's that's a good background. So, like, what's the like the tokenomics like of of the tangible token? Like, how did you derive for it? Um, yeah. is, where where's the best place to get it at? Is it only on like Sushi Swap or is it anywhere else? Yeah, the token at the moment is um, only on Sushi Swap, but probably the best way to get access to it is actually on on Tangible and buy a locked position. So the way that it works is kind of similar to Curve and a lot of the new real yield stuff. Um, the protocol fees accrue to to the token holders, but only token holders that have locked their tokens. So you can buy tokens and then you lock them for any given amount of time and you get um, a multiplier on those tokens and then you start to earn protocol fees. 66% of protocol fees sent to users in USDC and 33% used to buy and burn the token. Um, when you lock your tokens, you get an NFT that represents your locked position. So you're kind of like semi-liquid because you can you can sell that NFT. And that's why yeah, I'd recommend if anyone wants to buy the token, probably where you're going to scoop a deal is by going and grabbing someone else's locked position. I like that. It's cool. So like, wh- how does the NFT look? Is it just like customized or? Yeah, it just it's like has the... Um, has the the logo on it and then it's custom yeah based on your lock time it has the the lock period and they kind of like stack on top of each other um and the longer the lock is the bigger the pile is i guess the bigger the stack so do you have like certain time frames or some people can just pick whatever they want um it's i think three to 48 months now 46 months it's reducing over time because it depends it like from when the protocol launched and then it, it reduces because the multiplier reduces um, over the next four years of, to just a multiplier of one. And then you just lock your tokens for a month at the end of the 48 years and start, then you start to get the fees. You can't get right. a multiplier anymore. So that's awesome, man. That's, that's really fascinating. So what about, like I know you guys recently, I don't know which day it was or how long ago it was, you, you guys have a stable coin, USDR, if you want to introduce yeah. that. Yeah, so USDR is kind of the next piece in, in this ecosystem, a way to really draw real-world assets onto chain. Um, it is a stable coin that is backed by yield-producing real estate, so real estate that is rented out. Um, the way that it works, it's, it's over-collateralized. The way that it works is you mint it with DAI, and then that DAI, 50% of it, is used to buy property TNFTs automatically off the tangible marketplace. The treasury just buys whatever the cheapest NFTs are. So if your NFT is listed cheaper than the ones tangible are listing, for example, it will just automatically buy that, put it in the treasury. And then the rental yield that those properties generate for the treasury um, is claimed every day and then is paid out to USDR holders in the form of a rebase. Um, so you basically earn around 8 to 10% APY a year. And that APY comes from these properties. So it's real yield sustainable yield and the kind of the way that we're thinking about it and the kind of the problem that it solves is 
obviously you, you saw everything with Celsius and BlockFi and all, all of that stuff with CFI and that those yields obviously weren't sustainable. They were pretty much all generated by lending to Three Arrows and, and other similar people. And it was kind of Ponzi-esque. And then UST, obviously, at 18 19%, definitely very Ponzi-esque. And, and now across DeFi, yields have really, really dried up. Um, and by bringing real-world assets into DeFi, um, that's obviously a, a kind of sustainable form of yield, but wrapping it all up in, in, in money, basically, in a stablecoin, so where it can be used as money, but it's money that grows, just automatically rebases, we think it's kind of a novel, novel solution. But more so, the kind of normie angle of it is, you know, with crazy inflation, the dollar losing, um, I think Mike will know the numbers better than me over the last, I think it's 80 something percent over the last 50 years, yeah. whereas real estate's appreciated um, 400 percent over that same period. You kind of see it as a new, a new alternative, a new type of currency, a currency that appreciates or really holds its value and actually appreciates in value in the, in the form of this rebase rather than the constant debasement of fiat. Yeah, I think like, yeah, Jack kind of hit on hit on the numbers, but right, the dollar's lost uh, about like 86% of its purchasing power over the last 50 years where the price of real estate or, you know, the sales price of a single family home over that same sort of 50 year period, it's up 14x. And so I think we're trying to, Build a new type of money that that it's a hard it's a real real currency or hard money that's backed by real assets that actually like preserves people's purchasing power. I think we've all seen sort of like inflation run wild and and you know continued sort of projections for um, fiat currencies continuing to just sort of print money and melt away. And so we're trying to create something that. Um, you know, by holding it, you're you're not you're you're at a minimum gonna like maintain your purchasing power and, and hopefully like come out a little bit ahead. I think that like, you know, you're talking earlier about like crypto making the world a better place. I think we sort of look at like fiat currencies as, as a way that actually just keep people down. Like you're never gonna get ahead spending and saving necessarily in, in fiat. And so with this type of money, it gives people a chance to will get exposure from real estate, which is like, notoriously like hard to get your hands on. I think for a lot of people without a ton of money for a down payment without the uh you know money for a mortgage and being able to pay that and, and all the other sort of like hoops you have to jump through like for you know with essentially like a dollar's worth of die you can get exposure to many of the benefits of holding real estate you know not all of them but uh quite a bit we think that's a really like transformational um shift for people around the world yeah i totally agree with that so <clears throat> that's besides like you know, crypto, which is obviously, a, it's somewhat of a crazy investment in general, but we all see the vision and, and we all hope for the best. And we think, you know, it's going to go to where we think it's going to go over the next, you know, two to three to five to 10 years. And um, if it does, I mean, all of us lunatics that are in this are going to get rewarded for, for having to go through this, the, you know, the ups and downs. And I, I, you know, I've been an investor my whole life and I've always invested in tech. I've always studied tech and even back whenever, you know, like Apple and all that started off, like there were, it wasn't, you know, unfamiliar for them to take an 80% cut. And it's kind of like what I think about crypto right now. I think it's the new sector, the, you know, the new investment sector. But as for like another alternative investment, the only thing that's just as good if, you know, could be just as good, if not better, you know, is, is real estate because real estate always goes up because of like what they're doing with the money. And, 
you know, and what you're saying about keeping them down, it's completely what they're doing. You know, like I, when I ask people in real life, you know, like as I do, like I do taxes and I talk to a lot of people about money and, you know, I do offer not on crypto, but I do offer like real financial advice in real life. And, you know, my, one of the first questions I ask people is like, you know, what is money? And, you know, no one ever gets what I mean by it, but they'll be like, oh, you know, it's something to barter with. It's some sort of instrument that you can measure this, this and this. And I'm like, yeah, in theory, yeah, you're right. But really, all money is is a symbolization of time. You know, like essentially you have to devote whatever amount of time it is or an effort to make whatever you had to make. You know, most people work in a nine to five job or they make you know, 40 hours a week and they get a paycheck every two weeks or whatever. Well, you had to devote all that time, right? And all that time to get to work and back to work. And, you know, your days are 10, 11 hours. If you consider like all the travel and all the bullshit you have to deal with. And then you get this paycheck, which is awesome. Like you get the money, you had to work for it. But then, you know, when the government keeps printing more of it, essentially what they're doing is they're stealing your time. So now you need to make you have to you have to spend more time to make what you just made because they're basically taking your time away from you by inflating everything. And, you know, houses are no different. The cr it's crazy, you know, like the medium household income over that, like you said, 14x, it probably only went up maybe one and a half percent or one and a half times or maybe not even. You know, I doubt it went up two x like medium household. So how does that even make any sense? Right. It's like you got these prices of homes going up all this a crazy amount. And why? And that's why, because all the free money, you know, it's just this big craziness. And I commend and crypto always feels right to me because in my opinion, you know, it's, it's essentially speed running like thousands of years of like inequality. And realistically for the last, you know, you're saying 50 years or so, it's been nuts. Like the, the amount of like, you know, what the dollar used to be able to buy and what it can buy now, it's just insane. So like in order for you to even do anything in life, to have a pot at the end of the day to essentially piss in, you need to have assets, you know? And like, if you at least own a piece of property, like my goal is to own, like where I live, that's real mountainous and it's always sunny. Like it'll be like nine 30 at night and it's still sunny here. So it's like perfect for like natural resources. And if I had like, I could have all kind of alternative energy sources here. And it's, it's really, it's a great spot to have like land. And I just want to buy land just to have it. And yeah, maybe I'll build on it one day or whatever, but just to have land because all the natural resources and like you need stuff like that. And some, a lot of people may never even get to that point in their life where they can afford to do that because, you know, you, you have to pay taxes and everything else just to own the property. So really you never own anything in life, but you, you know, you can at least, somewhat get ahead and uh what you guys are doing is cool like we you it basically gives people a chance to own something that where they can stay ahead of the curve because and, and, or else like you have to do risky investments like you have to invest in like all these crazy startups and crypto and hope that you you pick enough winners right like and and but but the prices of houses you know historically are always going to go up like yeah there might be a big crash and reset but you still you'll be fine right like it's just it's just the way it is. Like real estate's always gonna, you know, go ahead in the in the long run. And it, I think it's actually outperforming the stock market. Like it used to be like traditionally, like the stock market's always outperforming homes and stuff, but it's probably neck and neck, you know, anymore at least. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's probably pretty close. I think that like, yeah, you're you're kind of like want and desire to own land. I think it's like it's a great example. Like it's 
it's scarce and it's finite, right? You can't go off and like print more, print more space on earth. Like we've only got what we've got. Even like when you think about like backing currencies with stuff like gold, it's like, man, who knows how much gold is out there. And so like we think about real estate and property and, and land is like backing for money and it, and you just know that like through all there is that's out there, like we know where it is. And so it provides like this like sort of perfect, scarce, um, valuable asset to back a currency with. And I think that like the cool thing with what we're doing with USDR is like, you know, in the past, if you wanted to sort of like leverage your land or, or, or use the money that you had locked into it, I guess you could borrow against it. But a lot of times you just have to sell it. Right. And now we're bringing sort of like the same operability that you have with money or, or certainly with a stable coin now to real estate. You're basically buying and trading and, and spending in in land or in property or in houses on it. And it just sort of like um, I think like really like fast tracks and accelerates people's ability to to potentially get ahead and, and just sort of like. You know, it's something we haven't talked about, like tokenizing real estate and tokenizing land is a really um, interesting approach and kind of a fast track to just like grow this, the size of crypto in, in general. Like if you look at the global real estate market, it's about $330 trillion worldwide. You know, if we were just to capture 1% of that, I think it makes the market cap of crypto like four times what it is right now. So we look at like these real world assets, like, you know, we can bring, there's sort of like a give and take, right? We can bring uh sort of DeFi tools and operability to to real estate and sort of make that system work better for people and work better for more people but we can also take all this like value that's out there in the world real world and bring it into DeFi and sort of like grow our space and, and sort of grow and, and and make what we're doing you know more legitimate and more accessible and more understandable to people i think that like a lot of the stuff that happens in DeFi, it's so like esoteric and deep um, and I think something cool about tangibles, like for, for a lot of people, it just kind of makes sense. It's like, all right, well, cool. I get what like rental properties are. I get that like, yeah, being a landlord is a great way to make money. Oh, okay, got it. So you can turn that into money or I can buy a fraction of a piece of property and capture some of that yield or, okay, great. I'm going to like be able to like buy and trade sort of like these real world assets online using an NFT. I kind of get what NFTs are. And so I think that like what we're doing with tangible, I, I think it like it's an easy way for people that may not be like entirely familiar with the space to start to better understand DeFi and better understand DeFi tooling and bring more people in the category while also at the same time growing the category because we're essentially like tokenizing and bringing real assets into crypto. Yeah, I agree with that. So kind of adding to that. So um, when I was in Florida for the permissionless event, it was a three day event and the third day, there were it was just all real life business people that may not even have any exposure to crypto but understand it there was quite a few people lurking around that were in the real estate uh market i spoke to quite a few people so i mean they get it you know like they're they're this is cool man like it really it's a good it's a good way because like you're saying and i say it all the time on my shows that the next influx of people into this space you know, I think are going to be like gamers, like the music industry, like real estate, like just essentially stuff where like we can use our technology and and make it so like they technically really don't even have to know what they're doing in crypto and in but they can use that, you know, the ledger technology and all that. So, you know, the, you guys are ahead of the curve when it comes to that. The only question I have to ask, I guess, what it would pertain to that is. I guess when you when you guys first started tangible, was this like the end goal was real estate or was this or was this like, hey, we got to do this? But I, I, it probably would take a lot longer to, to, to get the real estate part taken down with like or, um, legally and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that was the we 
it wasn't the end goal, but it was definitely one of the product categories that we thought people would be super interested in. Um, but yeah, we basically didn't know how to do it legally. Um, so we thought let's launch with the things that we know we already have a legal opinion on and, and we're clear on, and then we'll figure this out as we go. And then, yeah, we did, we've managed to figure out, um, the kind of legal structure that it works in. Um, we got it launched about two months after the other products. Nice. So what's the goal? Like whenever say, you know, you get to a certain amount with like investors and all that, do you just keep trying to add to the portfolio of, of real estate? Like what's the goal there? Yeah, it's automated. So as long as there are literally, if you go and mint now with $50, it will buy $50 worth fractions of whatever's on listed on the marketplace, the treasury will. So as new fresh capital's coming in, um, we kind of try to predict at what, what pace it's coming in. At, and then we've got a property pipeline ready to list on the marketplace for the treasury to buy. And when I say treasury, that's basically the money that's backing USDR, the pool. I understand. Yeah. So like, we're, what are you guys, are you guys trying to go to other countries? Or are you just going to focus on like the UK for now? Yeah. So the US is kind of just peaking right now and is probably you know going to go into a six to 12 month dip we'd want to be dcaing into properties that we were on the treasury to be dcaing into properties towards the end of that dip at the moment we're focused on single family homes in the uk that have government tenants um so tenants that are on government aid so basically the government is guaranteeing the rent and the price probably won't fluctuate very much because the the yield is very high and the property is basically valued on the amount the government's willing to pay for those people that are on aid. So throughout the, the kind of dip and the chaos, we're going to load the treasury up with those sort of properties. Um, and then towards the end of the cycle, yeah, we'll start to expand into the US and other countries. But the goal is to basically have, have a, you know, a worldwide con- uh, currency that's backed by worldwide real estate and a diversified basket. And we're hiring, look, looking to hire out quants and you know specialists, that's the type of people that buy these assets for BlackRock, um, and Blackstone. Those sort of people are the type of people that will you know be in the team, making sure because ultimately, you, although real estate always goes up, um, sometimes it goes down for period. You don't want to lose peg um, in that sort of scenario and. There are mechanisms like we're over collateralized and when if we do lose peg, all of the rental payments are retained rather than out they don't go out as an APY until we retain peg. But it, the selection of properties and, and timing is very important. Oh uh, yeah, timing's important for sure. And I agree with your assessment about like the US um market. It has to go down. It's just like impossible for it to keep going up. It re- it's literally impossible. Yeah. I don't know how I don't I just don't know how it can go up. Like I mean where I live at, it's a nice area, but damn, like the like not even that long ago, the the house the prices were just whatever. Like and now it's just insane. It's like it's yeah. just insane. It's like how? Like nothing changed, you know, like it's not like our a beach just grew next to me, you know, like there's no beach where I live at. I live in the mountains. It's like I don't I don't get it. So yeah, I, I agree with that. You don't want to be at the top. I mean, just as an investor, like I, you know, I, I want to buy a property in, in another, like a house, another home or whatever. And I'm not, and I'm not, in, I'm not in a rush right now because I just think it's like going to be a ripoff, you know, like I buy it now and then it, it's going to, it has to re it just has to retrace a little bit. Like 
there's just no way they can keep it up. Like there's just no way. Like every people are going to get wrecked because these prices are just obnoxious. And um, <laughs> that's my point about that. It's crazy. It is crazy. I'm sure it's like at everywhere because it's just what happened. And you know, and and I I get so worried because like America, they just it's like. You know, everyone likes the guy when you would go to the bar. I don't know how old you guys are, but that would be like, you know, just buying everyone free drinks, like maxing out their credit cards. Like everyone likes that guy until the until the credit card just maxes out and they can't do it anymore. And it's almost like our policies now. They're like, hey, you know, you have some you have some student loan debt. Well, we'll just write it off. Well, where's this money going? Where's it coming from? You know. And again, it goes back to that theory about stealing my my money. It's like you're stealing my time, man. Like. Instead of me having to work these many hours, now I need to work an extra five that week just to make what I was really making. Because when I go to the store, everything's it's more expensive. Or, you know, they, they keep the price the same, but they give you less of a quantity. It's like, all right, man, I'm not stupid. Like, what's going on? I'm not trying to pay $5 a gallon of gasoline and all this. Like, what's what's going on here? So it's it's crazy, man. I agree with you, though, with the, with America. Like, it's not a good time to to, to dig in there, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I think like the prices in the states are <clears throat> are starting to fall, but like you're right, it's pretty much like overcooked worldwide. There was a some I don't know, report I remember reading in Bloomberg, and was just listing all these different countries that are um, uh, part of like these like OECD, and just like you know t- everywhere, Russia and Luxembourg and like New Zealand, Czech Republic, just countries all over the world. Everything's just like really, really overcooked right now for real estate, and I think that like there's probably a lot of different reasons why I know and like where I live in California part of the reason and, and I think this is like to some extent why you can still kind of bank on real estate is there's a scarcity right there's there's just not enough housing for people out there certainly not enough like affordable housing for people out there and so like it just by not having enough inventory it just continues to drive the prices up so not a great sort of not a great situation if you're looking to buy a house but for, from an investment standpoint it, it kind of keeps things afloat I think yeah, man, it's crazy to think about it. Like our our generation really has it, <laughs> really has the back against the wall, man. Like you could have been, you know, in the seventies and eighties, basically, you could have just invested in anything and you would have did really well. You're talking about being in California, so you know I'm out here in the mountains, and back then there used to be a lot of bad weather and cold weather, but you know everything's warmer now. But a lot of my family that grew up here, they moved out to California. You know, like my my one uncle, he moved out to um, like northern hollywood area and bought out bought a nice piece of property and house like really cheap back in you know maybe would have been the equivalent of today maybe 100k not even and you know his piece of property went for millions of dollars because it's 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 just nuts you know and it's not sustainable and i get it like california has nice weather and all that but it's really is it's it's a huge bubble yeah. but, like, <laughs> but, but like you said though i mean it's just, it's a scarce asset. So people want to have that nice, you know, 70 degree weather all the time. So they're going to pay millions of dollars for a piece of property that if it was where I would live at, it might be, might go for, you know, at least a 10th of that, I would say for the piece of property, but it's nuts. Yeah. But it's still, I mean, it's still a scarce asset where you are too, right? It's there's mm-hmm. like that, that limited supply. And I think that like, you know, there, we hear concerns in the community and stuff. People ask about, you know, what happens if the price of real estate is going to tank? And I think that like one of the examples that we can kind of, well, yeah, we know that the prices are going to go down. We sort of looked at the numbers. I think like real estate's unique in that it, it's 
just so much less volatile than like I think the stuff that we're all used to dealing with. It's it's way less volatile than crypto, right? Way less volatile than equities. Even you know you saw like the big the big sell off in 08. I think that like the the average sales price of a single family home fell by about like 20 percent, and that took over two years to fall. If you look at some of the indexes like Case Shiller, they fell by like 30 percent, but that was over like a five year time span. And so I think it like as a as a treasury asset, it gives us like a lot of flexibility to sort of adjust adjust the treasury, adjust our strategies, look at sort of like how and what and where we want to buy, and you have time to respond because like the real estate market is just so it, it just moves at a different pace than than a lot of other uh, a lot of other markets. But um, you know, I, I think just one thing to point out, like like we think what we're doing is great, like black. BlackRock or Blackstone, one one of the blacks, they're in the same thing. They just raise like they have like they're preparing like a fifty billion dollar um, tool that they're going to use to go out and buy up single family homes in the United States um, during this correction and just kind of continue to add to their to their treasury of real estate. So, I think that not not to say we're trying to follow suit with them, but I, I think that the smart money is sort of looking at this as an opportunity to to do something big with. Yeah, definitely. I think I think another good idea, maybe maybe you guys have thought of it or will think of it or maybe just take this idea and run with it, but is to buy property, right? Like have a DAO, buy property and create like and, and build like server farms, you know, like with and, and not only does it help crypto because it just helps with like decentralization and all that. But, you know, that's kind of one of my ideas one day is to have a big piece of property that has good, like I could literally live off my land because it has everything. Like where I live at has everything, a natural water, like it just has everything. And um, it's always sunny. So like I could have solar panels and have all the, all whatever sort of electricity I need and all that. I would love one day to have like a server farm, you know, where I can run, run, <laughs> people can plug in, have validators and whatever, whatever you need to do. So um, that would be kind of a good idea too. Cause that, that's like passive income, right? Imagine have like a DAO, and then people have to, you know, it's like a Hertzler. You just charge whatever it is for them to connect into your to your uh, service and you charge them. And then the DAO gets the benefits from it. There's just so many ways that, you know, land does create opportunity. It just always does. I mean, it always has since day one. I mean, that's why people used to come over to America back in the day and seek and go out west for better for, for better opportunity. You know, it's just land is. That that's the only thing that I you know other than crypto that that I keep an eye on is is land. So yeah, for sure, I I do think that's a good idea and something we'd be open to exploring. I think that there are, like you're saying, a bunch of ways that land can produce yield um, for the treasury. Um, there's was a project we spoke to the other day actually that's doing farming futures and they're doing like corn yields and soy yields, rice yields. This all sorts of cool things happening in the space. Yeah. And if you think about that too, the, um, the population's not really going down, right? There's like more people on the planet all the time. It just keeps growing. It's not, in my opinion, I don't think it's going to go down. Maybe in certain areas, maybe it goes, maybe America goes down because, you know, back in the day, everyone was having kids when they were like teenagers and a lot of people wait until they're in their late 20s, maybe into their 30s to have children. So maybe the U.S. population may be gone down, but worldwide, that population isn't good. It's just increasing. So, you know, if you have land and you can have stuff, you know, you have crops like that, you're you're more valuable in the future, too. Yeah, for sure. There's something um, that is something I've been worried about in the in the U.S. in particular is if population growth does 
start to plateau and then drop um, and single family home construction or new, new home construction continues to kind of boom. What does that look like? It's, I don't think it's, a, it's an immediate five year issue, but it could be like a, a 20, 30, 40 year issue that property prices, something that's an asset that's gone up forever, all of a sudden isn't going up anymore, at least in, in that country. And then I think the, the treasury would probably start to diversify. Obviously, it's a long, long time out. But it's just a thought which popped into my head recently. Then we probably would start to diversify into countries that have population growth and um, new home construction isn't kind of outpacing new, new family formation. Yeah, exactly. And then also you have to worry about like regional areas. So one of my uncles moved out to Vegas area and, you know, it was a small town at one point and then it was growing so fast. And we're talking about the the last time the, the real estate bubble, I think it was like 08 just bursted or whatever. There were so many homes and and brand new places out there that you could just go, you, you know, you could have bought it dirt cheap, but having said that, you know, uh, Vegas is, ha- has one of the highest, I think it's actually the highest. I haven't checked in a long time, but at one point when I did check a while back, it was the highest unemployment rate, like in America, because really like Vegas only it, it's, it has nothing right. It, really all it is, is like a, it's, it's an entertainment industry. So if anything happens to it, it's really bad. Like when, whenever like COVID happened, you know, people weren't going to the casinos. So like, it, it just, it, it got wrecked out there. Like properties, like, you, you know, it could have, it definitely retraced, you know, there's some areas where you kind of have to worry about that because it's like, you know, at the end of the day, you have to have jobs. Like where I'm initially from back when, before I was alive, like it's where everyone lived. There were so many jobs and all, but then they, you know, America got rid of, like I'm from Pittsburgh area. So like Pittsburgh back in the day used to produce all the still, like literally all of the still in America. And there was jobs everywhere. There's still mills everywhere. Like the, the, but then like they closed down and they went overseas and then like where I'm from became like a ghost town. There's no jobs. Like everyone relocated, you know, like they moved all over the country because people need to work. So it, there's a lot of factors. It's not, at, you know, like I do commend what you guys are doing. It's just like, you always have to be thinking about every, every scenario, but you know, that's why you hire teams and have people that are, yeah. to, that are studying all that data for you. Exactly. It's not super complex. It really is just a matter of studying the data. Where are people moving? Where are, you know population declines and new home grow, new home construction? Where where's it's declining? These sorts of things. It, it isn't super complex. It's just something that we need. We're conscious that we need to keep an eye on. Nice, yeah. Because honestly, like I'm not, I'm not even that bullish on America right now. Like just because, like you have to, you have to make things, and we don't make anything anymore in America. It's like we don't, we don't make anything. So at the end of the day, it's like, you know, we, we aren't making enough stuff. All, all, uh, all it comes down to, in my opinion, in America is like, it's like a service industry. Hey, you want your, your grass cut? Okay, we'll do that. You want your haircut? We'll do that. You know, you want all, like services. It's like all it is anymore is like a service industry for, for people. You know, and there's some other things, but we're not actually making anything anymore. It's like we used to make everything. Now it's like nothing. So it, it is. I don't know how that works. Like, and like infrastructurally in America, it's, it's, it's poor. Like, you know, it's just like archaic. It's it's so antiquated, in my opinion. Like I go to like, you know, I travel. I've been to like almost every major city in America. Like the infrastructure is just so poor. Like getting to like a major city is just so poor. Like the roads are made for like whenever like one person in your neighborhood had a vehicle. 
you know, like there's so much infrastructure that needs to be built in America for me, for me personally, to be super bullish on it. And um, so like I, if, if I was doing what you guys are doing, I'd be looking, you know, I, yeah, you obviously probably want to get your, your toes wet at some point in America, but I, I'm not that bullish on it, to be honest with you. I, mean, I wish I could be bullish on it, but there just needs to be so many things to rectify and we need to build things. We need to make things and we just need to make the infrastructure better. I, I see, you know, I haven't been to a lot of different countries, but a lot of countries are way, in my opinion, are far ahead when it comes to infrastructure. Like there's no reason why, like I'm, I'm in Pittsburgh and I got to take a, 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 you know, a seven hour drive to Chicago when it really, it's not even that far away. I should be able to hop on like a, a speed train and get over there in an hour. And I could be, I can go back and forth in a day. I can go to, a, I got like baseball, I can go to a Chicago Cubs game and, and come back the same night, you know, but it's crazy that, that stuff like that doesn't exist in America. Yeah, for sure. I've been to Asia a couple of times with Americans and they're always so shocked. Like they, pop into Singapore airport or wherever it may be. And they're just like, what the hell is this? And it's people from America just, I think, um, they kind of live in a bubble. At least not not everyone. It's a bit of an overgeneralization, but I think people generally in America over kind of over glorify it. Um, and, but when they, when they visit elsewhere, in particular Asia, that they're, they're shocked by the infrastructure and just kind of how things have fallen behind. I don't disagree that America's once definitely the greatest country in the world. I just don't know if it's if it's going to retain that much longer. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it, we are in a bubble, like because a lot of people in this country we have like a cavalier attitude. Like they have no intentions of ever traveling outside of America, and if it is, they're just going to like the Caribbean islands and you know local bias so it's not it's just oh you're going to the beach and obviously the there they're, it's not like you know these caribbean islands have all this crazy infrastructure it's just an island right so yeah i just think a lot of people you know it i still think it's an it's a great country that just needs a lot of work and it's just i'm not as bullish you know as as you know <laughs> as i should be because i just don't, i don't see it there's so much so many things that need be that need to be changed so you know, I even when it comes to crypto, they're just dragging their feet. Like back in the day when Web One and Web Two was being built, they 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 loved it. That they were all for it. The innovation happened. All the magic happened. Now it's like they they just do whatever it takes to just mitigate and slow and bog down crypto innovation. And it's it's just, it's to me it's an embarrassment. But you know, it's because it's relinquishing power. You know, and they just want to just. Mm-hmm. They just want to slow it down. It's unfortunate because really if they would just open up the doors and let it happen, like we would be so much further along already. So much. And then the thing is, is like crypto has no borders, right? So like if America doesn't want to accept it or wants to slow it down, well, other countries will and it'll prevail because it's not like, hey, you America has to accept crypto. You know, it's it'd be nice because there's a lot of money in crypto uh, in America. But, you know, these other countries are just going to accept it. And, that, and it's, that's the bottom line. So it's not going to stop. Yeah, I, I agree. It could change in a second, though. I, I know a lot of people kind of hold the opinion that, that one day, all of a sudden, the U.S. is just going to open the floodgates and accept everything. As soon as they feel like they're really um, losing, you know, losing stronghold, losing GDP, losing great companies to other countries then maybe everything overnight will just shift and they'll, they'll open the doors. At least that's that's the hope, right? But it's it's like you're saying, it's, it's very different to Web 1 and Web 2 because money, at least money, this is kind of the core thesis behind USDR. Money is 
the final stronghold, right? That final real battlefield, the way that they control us, um, the way that they keep keep people in in on in the route race. Just people think this is it's kind of funny that people think that the Fed don't know what they're doing. It's so it's just a joke that these people with all these economics degrees and, and you know have studied studied macroeconomics and study monetary policy their entire life but yet we think that they don't know what they're doing that whole concept is just comedy obviously money the money was printed for a reason um what that reason is isn't clear but i do think that <clears throat> the reason the reason it's so tough is just that it's that final stronghold and it's not going to it's they're not going to let go of it easily no, no, I mean, no. Yeah, you were saying earlier, like, <clears throat> what do we make or what does America make? And I think, like, part of the answer to that is, like, we've made technology and we've made the Internet over the last, like, 20 years, 25, whatever, 30 years, right? I think that, that's been the sort of, like, source of everything that we've created is, is global technology. Um, and, and, if, and if Web3 and crypto is the next phase of that and we don't, if we're not able to kind of keep pace and, and maintain some level of... Um, participation in it then i think the states are kind of in a, in a tough spot and i think to jag's point like they're going to have to sort of open things up at some point if we can't continue to sort of build what we've built historically which is which is tech and 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 sort of like information capital exactly you know i i have a couple of nephews and nieces and stuff and you know i tell them to be honest with you i i tell them really you know, obviously learn code and all that, but really to find a skill that no matter what would always be utilized. And um, no matter how good computers are, there's still going to be things that they can't build. And if you can, if you have that skill to do it, you you know, you'll be, you'll, you'll be an asset because everyone nowadays, they're going to school for, 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 you know, coding and all that, which is cool, computer engineering and all that. But I mean, it's just a competitive market. Everyone's doing it. So you kind of have to separate yourself. You either have to be the best at it or you need to, to find like a skill. You know, like people people laugh, but, you know, you, you do. I know we're getting a little off topic, but just have a skill, whether it's like being the best plumber, a carpenter, all these type of things, because those are always going to be needed forever. You know, and um, it's just like it, it is hard. That's like all we're, we're good at right now was it is, you know, is technology so they need to just get with it already it's a shame and it's embarrassing that you have all these brilliant minds and they can't do what they want to do or they have to like go to singapore and, and live over there because they're just like you know they're tired of it they're tired of all this and all the uncertainty and you know just like even with like the taxation and just like the rules behind it none of it makes any sense and you know, they, it's like, they want to, they want to treat, you know, like if I give you a dollar and you give me a euro, like there's no tax in it. But like, if you want to just swap one asset to another and there's no gain, right? It's just a swap really actually you take a loss usually. Cause there's, there's like a swap fee and you have to technically like pay tax on it. It just makes no sense. And it's like, okay, well we were talking about UST earlier. Like a lot of people got super wrecked from it. It's like, okay, well, why don't I just get all my money back then? You know, like, I, I lost all this on Luna and UST. Like, where's my money back then? It's like, you know, none of it. Oh, well, you can write off 3000 for the next million years. Like, okay, well, that makes zero sense. Like, so like, there's just, there's so much stuff and, and we need all that clarity 
uh, and people are so paranoid to do anything. It's like, like, yo, we can't do this because we have to worry about that. And it's just, it's embarrassing. You know, they just need to make a rules and, and that's it. If they want to, if they want to overreach, just overreach, you know, even how they treated the, how everything was being, being treated was like tornado cash. It was like such an embarrassment, you know, like, okay, maybe I didn't like dig into like, you know, who started it. Maybe that person knew about whatever was going on. Then yeah, they should be, they should be in trouble. But for someone that just used that technology because they didn't want everyone in the world to know, like, hey, they they sent over a hundred dollars to their 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 brother or their mother or something, like they're blocking those accounts. Like it's embarrassing. It'd be like you saying, well, hey, you have a hundred dollars, you have a hundred euros under your bed. Well, you you know you're a criminal because like, why do you have that? Only people that use cash anymore are doing something illegal. You know, like this is it's embarrassing. And I hope they they just change their minds and, you know. <laughs> So I guess the the problem is too is like if you look worldwide, not all the countries, but some of the people in the that are like in power, like the presidents or whatever, they're just very old. Like they don't use crypto. They probably don't even use the computer. So it's like they don't get what they need to just get with it. You know, like hey, um, I, that's my thing. I hope at least they just need to get with it. And because this technology just it's changing people's lives. Like there's people in third world countries for the first time in their life, they have like an identity where they can finally save money and resources and actually know how much their money's worth. And, you know, like there's so many positives, there's so many more positives than any negatives. Like, yeah, there's always going to be bad actors no matter what. I mean, that's just how people are. Like it's never going to change, but that, you know, you can't stop it or, or categorize everything that's going on as a negative. Like people are using crypto because, you know, they want to do this, this and this. Well, yeah, they can do that with the United States dollar, too, which is being done more than anything currency put together. So it's I don't know. I, I don't want to get dark and morbid, but I, I just understand what this technology could do. And it's just like, get out of the way and let it happen already. Yeah, I, I agree. I think. There's some of it is probably, you know, a bit more Machiavellian, a bit more evil. But I, I agree that your average 80-year-old senator from, from wherever really just doesn't understand it. And it's a matter of time, right, before that generation slowly, slowly comes out of office and younger people. So that's why, that's why I think it's inevitable. In the short term, maybe it gets stopped, it gets blocked, all this stuff goes offshore. Um, something that founders often say, I say, like if the, if the U.S. wrote us a letter and said, you know, we don't like this, we would just say, okay, then we'll go elsewhere. That's just how it is. People don't want to take the risk. And then definitely the, the, the country loses out. There's no doubt about it. But as younger people start to come into power, that will all, all shift. Um, so I do think that the inevitability of it, um, you, you can't really stop it, right? You can only delay it. Oh yeah, it's a train, you know. Like you can't stop the train; it's just going to keep going. So, but yeah, I just I'm excited for what you guys got going on, and I, you know, I'm here to always help. You know, uh, get my community to to see that. I know a lot of people. You know, I didn't even talk about like Cosmos technology, but I, I it to me is like the future of like how you know all these chains, even like Polygon, right? They use Tendermint, which is uh, it's it was founded by the Cosmos people, and it's their consensus mechanism, and that's how it allows Ethereum to scale. And Cosmos gets like just not talked about because there's no VC money, and it's just it is all community. It's one of the reasons I really like it. And uh, it's just building all the infrastructure, man, to like have all, like, yeah, you can have this cool, I call it skyscrapers or whatever. Like you can have Ethereum be this really cool skyscraper. Well, you still need all the roads and everything to get over there. And um, we've seen all these crazy hacks with all these bridges. And, 
you know, I, that's what IBC does is it, it just doesn't allow any of that because there's like Merkle proof and I can get into all the tech and I'm just super excited for that. And I'm, I'm excited for all this because I really firmly believe like everything is going to be connected, right? Right now it's so fragmented. And one of the reasons I'm like really bullish on like Cosmos that like the tech side of it is I always resemble all these different chains outside of IBC as being so fragmented. Like, yeah, you can have this like really cool, I call it an island or a planet, but there's no way of getting to it and being safe. Like once you're on it, you're good. But like, if you want to leave it, it's, it's like a, it's a rocky road. And um, it's almost like when you go to like a Starbucks and you have an iOS phone, maybe it works because you have the, the newest version, but maybe I have an old one. It doesn't work. Or you have an Android and like, no, the Wi-Fi doesn't work. Like that's not sustainable. Like the future is all everything being connected, you know, it's just like Web2. You go on a website, you go on another one. You don't care that it's pinging to this server and that server. And it's going, you just know it's going to work. And right now we have a long way of going with like crypto because it is confusing, you know, like if you're in one ecosystem and you're like Polygon and then you're like, hey, let me go do something over here. Like there's this big learning gap and we we need to keep working on it. Everyone just needs to keep working on it. Make make everything better because, uh, you, you know, if you ask yourself, you know, how, however old you are, maybe your parents are in their 60s or 70s or 50s. Like, hey, would my parents understand this? Like 99% of the time you're going to say no until it gets really simplistic and understandable. It's not it's it's not going to be where we want it to go. And I like th applications and things that are trying to bridge over like the traditional side. So like what you guys are doing is commendable because people do. Like you said, they understand real estate. They get it like, OK, oh, I want to invest in this, but I don't have, you know, 100K to, to, to do this. But I can I can invest, you know, some of my paycheck to it or whatever. So it's really cool. And I'm, I'm looking forward to like your growth. And, you know, anytime I can ever help or anyone in this call you know, wants to learn anything about uh, like Cosmos or technology in general. I mean, I, this is what I do for my, you know, I devote my life to this. So, Chad, you want you? No, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I think like, um, <clears throat> I think we're just trying to, we're trying to build stuff that is easy and approachable for people. I think that like there, there's people out there building incredible stuff, um, whether it's Cosmos or Polygon or, or whatever to kind of, Build, building the pipes and the rails to to make this space possible, and I think we're just trying to help bridge what they're doing and bring it to people with a uh, with a pretty like clear and simple benefit, just like the chance to earn some yield off your money, not have to worry about sort of that massive down payment, get some exposure to real estate, be able to sort of like not have like your time and your money just evaporate into thin air um, based on what the Fed decides to do with with monetary policy. Um, we think there's just a really simple way to give people fair, consistent, transparent yields to help them sort of live a life <laughs> that they deserve to live, you know, in some ways and not have to like always just continue to run that rat race just to stay even. Just like a little bit of wealth preservation, I think, can go a long way and, and that kind of like keeps us going each day. Yeah, and I guess before we wrap it up, if you wanted to, like I always like to ask teams, you know, what is your, you know, your, I want to say your goals, your roadmap, your future vision of, of tangible, you know, the USDR? Yeah, um, I think if we're, we're going to wrap to pretty much what Mike just said is that we think the way that money works is very unfair right now and that money can work for you. There's a better design for money. Um, we think we're working towards that and we, the future of USDR is, is, just that it's able to be used as money. 
um, hopefully, you know, debit card integrations, neobank integrations, uh, money that isn't debased, that delivers 8 to 10% yield a year um, and is actually backed by something. And soon in the future, you will be able to mint USDR using your, your properties and, and different things that you can tokenize. So, for example, if you own your house outright, you will be able to mint a NFT against that property. You'll be then able to go and mint USDR up to 66%, um, similar to the way that you mint DAI using crypto. Um, we will basically you'll be able to mint USDR using real-world assets, wine, uh, gold bars, and real estate initially. So that's kind of next up for us in the next couple of months. And we think that will kind of you know, start to get the market cap growth happening because uh, there's definitely demand for that sort of thing, at least amongst our community. Yeah, we also we also just uh, deployed bonding, I think yesterday or the day before. So it's <clears throat> so a chance for people that are thinking about minting USDR. There's obviously like uh, right now we have 10 day bonds available, but you get a, a short term sort of lift in uh, an APY for locking up for 10 days. So I'd, I'd say check that out if you guys are interested in USDR right now. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. And I th think that what you said about uh, debit cards, that, that needs to happen in this space in general. Like I talk about that all the time on my show. Even if the hell, even if you're allowed to just like swap your some of your rewards into buying like an Amazon gift card, you know, because at the end of the day, we're all humans. We all have to spend money on whatever we need or we like to spend our money. And that's that would really, in my opinion, really help uh blast this space off is just making it super easy for people to be able to take their staking rewards and, and their, you know, whatever sort of rewards they have or, and, and just turn it into cash, like just be able to use a debit card or like I said, just swap to gift cards or anything that people can spend their money on. So I really hope that for you guys, like, I'd be really cool, you know, like people can, you know, invest and then take some of their, their stable and, and, buy something with it you know and, and not have to worry about hey i need to send it to a centralized exchange then i gotta wait you know a couple of days for it to go into my bank account like that that's that's just you know that's so antiquated you know it's like let me just take my rewards and and swap it over here and, and get some uh like a, an amazon gift card or whatever you know like so i hope that's for that's just in general and crypto and especially for you guys that would be really amazing so you know I just wanted to thank you guys for you know having me on and just talking and I got to learn a lot. I'm sure everyone did. And like I said, Terra Spaces records the show. So their URL is terraspaces.org. And then like all the shows are on there. So like you did backslash Haas, like all my pretty much all my shows are ever on there. And you guys will be on there, be on iTunes and Spotify. And you know, this was a good conversation. I really appreciate your time. I wish you guys nothing but the best with everything. And like I said, my doors are always open. I just like to do this type of stuff. So I appreciate you guys. I appreciate everyone listening in. So awesome. Yeah, thanks, yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Do we like want to like see if there are any like audience questions or anything, or do you want to just kind of wrap up? I mean, yeah, you guys, if you want, like, if if anyone has any questions, feel free. It's fine. I should have said that earlier, but yeah, if, if anyone oh, has any questions and wants to come up or, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll wait, wait a couple minutes. I can't even talk right now. We'll wait a couple minutes. If you want to DM me or you guys to ask any particular questions, that's fine too. Cause some people just don't like to talk and I understand. So, so Michael, do you, have you been going to any uh, conferences at all? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Here and there. It's uh it's cool. It's fun. It's a good time. Nice to like see people, you know, connect faces, stuff like that. So a question I should have asked, how big is your team right now? The tangible team? 
Um, um, he's got a jag. Go ahead. Uh, I think he's got about uh, ten to ten to twelve people. Most of them kind of like dev engineering. Um, you got like me, Jag, Robbie, kind of front of house for lack of a better term, working on marketing ops stuff like that. Um, Josh is really like, kind of spearheading uh, Jag's brother, spearheading a lot of stuff with the properties, property acquisition, working with the realtors. Um, so yeah, so that's that's the team. Nice. We're kind of spread, got designers spread sort of all over the place, a bunch of folks in uh, in Central Europe, you know, Jags between LA and here, or LA and the UK. We've got some folks um, in India and, and other places. Like, uh, nice. You build it, they'll come, you know? You guys are you guys are doing a good thing. Appreciate it, man. It's awesome. Cool. So how did, uh, while we're killing some time in case anyone wants to DM us or whatever, how did you guys come up with the, like the pure tokenomic of uh, like your tangible token? I was just curious about it. Um, that's a good question. We kind of designed it from scratch for our use case. Okay. We studied other tokenomics, other like V tokenomics models like Curve, took inspiration from a bunch of different places. And then at that time, we had an in-house quant that was like working with me on my family office side of things. And we had him just work on the math, basically. Um, right. Designed it. Yeah, designed it from scratch. I so you guys, I guess you you said you can get it on your site, uh, you know, a tangible store, and then just sushi. Is there any any plan uh, plans for it to go anywhere else? Yeah, probably centralized exchanges at some point. Right now, we're more focused on like core core product, getting volume going through the marketplace and getting USDR taken off, and probably USDR may even get listed on centralized exchanges before tangible. That'd be nice. So I have like a mixed feeling about like stable coins. Like, I I de- I definitely think it's the future, obviously, because you have to because people want to have us like a you know they want to know like okay my they don't want to have like say Paul like Matic and it's worth this much today they could buy four things and then a week from now they might only be able to buy two things you know like because the prices fluctuate so you need stable coins. I just don't know because like obviously with like UST. We've seen you, you, everyone could have their own thing about it. I just think you know, it just got tried to get too big too fast and and all over the place. So I almost think like everything in the future is going to be a micro economy, and then within those economies, like you you obviously need to have a stable coin. I just don't know if like the future of a stable coin is to be like everywhere, right? Like you have your own, like I said, like a micro economy, and everyone knows like okay, in this economy, this is what we we use, and it's backed by this. And I think it gets a little tricky if it starts like that particular stable coin starts to go all over the place. In my opinion, maybe I'm wrong. I just think it's it's maybe more self sustainable. Uh, unregulated you can't really regulate it that way either it's like it's decentralized it's in this ecosystem like what are you going to do about it i think they start to get a little bit annoyed if it's like okay you have this stable coin and it's it's like this huge billion market cap and it's everywhere and then it's like it's almost like a target in my opinion but again i could be wrong so yeah i think um the regulation's super un- unclear on that for sure but the way that I see it is kind of the Overton window for money being competitive has just shifted. You know, if you think about five, 10 years ago, it's government money and, and that's it. There's no, it's been like hundreds, over a hundred years or whatever since private money. Um, but now people just kind of see it as acceptable. And I think 
that it should be because at the end of the day, the government and the Fed are feeling people um, through, you know, poor monetary policy. So only really competition is gonna gonna change that. So that's why I'm super passionate about um, people basically being able to make private money because then the design space is better. And if you're at the end of the day, citizens are users, you know, they're customers. You're like customers of government. Um, ultimately, they serve you, sure, but you know, when it comes to money, you're you're their customers, and if other people can make better money that serves you better, then that makes them do better. Um, so yeah, I'm yeah, I'm super bullish on stable. For us, at the moment, the way the stable space is, is no one really delivers a native yield to you. So if you look at USDT, USDC, they obviously take your money, they have it in bank accounts, they buy treasury bonds, they do whatever else with it, commercial paper, they earn yield from it. But you as the end user don't earn any yield. So that's kind of one of the core innovations of of UFDR is it that you earn the yield on the backing. And we think that is competitive. You know, when there's you why hold USDC or USDT that's in your wallet that's delivering you zero yield when you can just hold USDR and it goes up automatically in your wallet by eight percent a year. Um so, and I think that it that works cross chain, that works everywhere. Works it will work in all ecosystems and the backing I think is gonna be the main thing. I think you will see Kind of there's 70 stables now. I think that's kind of like 2013 for tokens. You know, there was BTC, there was BTC forks, and it's very, very early. I think you'll see the way CMC is now with like 10,000 different stables. That's where we'll be in 10, 10 years, but there'll be a monopoly of, say, three, four, five. Um, and I think the backing and the yield are, are kind of going to be the key differentiators. But I do definitely think global M1 money is around 50 trillion. I think 10 trillion of that comes on chain over the next 10, 20 years and a couple of stable coins are going to soak up most of it. Yeah, I agree with that because like there's no, even for, you know, BlackRock and all this, like they're, they, they're going to run out of options to make money. So they got to just come into crypto, man. Like, cause it's the only thing that makes sense. And, it, and also, you know, again, we can get just the, the, the billions of people on the planet. Like, there's no other options for a lot of, like, people forget. Like, there's a lot of people on this planet, and there's a lot of people that have no way of saving anything. And crypto is their only option, right? Because, like, everyone pretty much has a smartphone at this point in time. You could be, like, anywhere. So as long as you have a smartphone, you have access to having a stable coin or having, you know, whatever whatever sort of crypto. So I agree with that. And yeah, I, that's that's amazing that you can have a stable coin and actually earn you know yield. Because I remember the days when I was younger, you can actually take money to the bank and and legit earn you know decent interest, or you can buy like a savings bond and actually you know make money. But now it's there's no other options. Like there really isn't besides real estate, maybe some good growth stocks, and then you know find getting lucky and finding some some good gems in crypto. So. We're not. It's not going anywhere. I, t- I tell people all the time we're so early. It's not going anywhere. There's good. I always say to myself because a lot of people in this space are very impatient. I say, well, I don't know how many users are on crypto. Do you think there's going to be less users in in two years or one year, two months from now? Like, no. Like, it's just going to keep going up. It's like just think of it as like this gigantic network effect, and that's what's happening with crypto. You know, some people are slow to the party. You know, they always that's just human nature. But eventually. You know, there's a lot of people are going to be in it, and um, and you know they're going to be like, oh, I wish I was. You know, I I honestly firmly believe this, and like maybe five years, seven years, maybe even ten max, 
people are going to be like, man, back in, you know, in 2020, 2021, 22, like people could have just picked anything and did well. I, I really feel like that. At least I have to hope and have that hopium because uh, there's just no other options. So it, again, I'm, I commend you guys and everyone in this space that's in this space, whether you're an investor, a community member, helping out. Um, building stuff because this is this is the future it's the only the only other option like what are we going to do i'll just sit back and just and not try to to present you know solutions to all the problems that's what that's what this is it's all solutions you know and we just gotta keep grinding man so jag man it's been nice talking to you and michael I, I i followed you michael um so you know we can keep in touch and like i said if there's anything i can ever do man like just hit me up anytime i'm i'm always on it and i just this is all i do so <laughs> appreciate awesome. it thanks man Take appreciate this. you guys have a great week. thanks for checking out another episode of the ether that was the tangible introduction of usdr ama hosted by cosmos haas Recorded on Friday, September 2nd, 2022. At terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Sneaking through back alleys on a little cosplay. Broadway all day, looking like the wrong way. Resuscitating major players in the waiting room. Sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools. Breaking rules, breaking bad, like we always wait for doom. Slayed a few in my early years, often hit the shroom. Sitting in the dark, waiting for the daily news to let us know what we should believe as the latest truth. Stay aloof, right and Rhymes in the studio, trying to keep it well lit like filming a movie role. Sorting through support from your endorsements, of course, we're tripping balls, hand it reports it. The latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view. Just a bunch of pack of heads living in a chicken coop. Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good. So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do. Two plus two. Show me what that thing could do. Two plus two. Show me what that thing could do. Two plus two. Show me what that thing could do. Two plus two. Big thinking energy always gets the best of me When I kick it in the lab, messing with new recipes Gotta mix and match, flip the lash, letting rhythm scratch No shit, spitting facts with my vision smashed Big trip aristocrats, dishing out a list of trash Missing wisdom, this fish is too big to catch Better let the missus know where you hit the stash Watch your next step, bro, before you hit the traps Walking on eggshells, tripping over landmines And I'm about done dealing with these damn lies Man, I'm looking at this planet like a franchise Chastising the digging holes in the back nine the latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of peck of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner finger, licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Spaces.